they say sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, that's horseshit. Uh, words hurt bad, and words can hurt forever. Oh, here we go again. Hey, everybody. It's us again. We're back. We've come to invade your ear holes with another interview. We are talking to a wonderful dad. He comes to us from Spain, actually. So we're jumping all over the world again. His name is Jesse Swede, and he is involved in parent leadership. He uh, believes in empowered, that empowered parents raise empowered kids. And he seems to have quite a bit of good information, and we hope that he's willing to share it with us today. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Jesse. Uh, how's it going? It's going awesome, man. Uh, I'm super excited to talk with you guys. Um, you know, just talking with you a little bit and sharing in the chats. Uh, I see that we're all on a similar mission here to help dads especially but parents in general to be as powerful feel as empowered and feel it be as good as they can be and that's that's what we're doing right yeah so you, thank you i'm really excited you, oh, yeah. you hit us you yeah. hit the nail on the head with that one that's pretty much what we're trying to do we want to give dads you know just a one more resource um in in what seems like a desert of resources when it comes to fathers and we we think that you know, like you said, uh, an empowered father uh, teaches and, and raises kids that, you know, can only improve um, the world around us. And if we can, um, you know, be that empowered father, then, you know, I'm, I'm prouder for it. Let me go ahead and um, uh, get an intro. I want to, uh, you know, get a sense of, of a better sense of, of who you are. Um, so if you could just briefly tell us, you know, where you come from and, and, and what you're doing, um, you know, with your life right now. Yeah, awesome. So I am in Spain, like you said. I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, southeastern Pennsylvania, right outside Philly. It's a little town called Chadsford, and um, it's where the Brandywine Battlefield is, uh, things like that. But uh, in 2006, I started a teaching career in South Korea. So before coming to Spain, I lived in South Korea. Uh, intended always to come back here to Spain because I visited here and fell in love with it. I ended up staying in South Korea for seven years and uh, teaching teaching English from you know to kids from five years old all the way to working adults. So um, and then here in Spain, I did the same thing. I've been working in education since 2006 for about 17 years, which makes me feel old, but um, that's beside the point. <laughs> and it's it's cool because as as a teacher, you can see the world. I've seen many teachers who saw education is really difficult, but if you allow yourself, it can be such a teaching and learning experience. And I almost felt that when I started to become a parent, I had an unfair advantage to, uh, to other parents, uh, including my children's mother. We're separated now, but I saw mm -hmm. that certain things stress parents out so much that they didn't stress me out so much because I I saw those stages in other kids before my kids reached that age. And uh, and that's kind of the experience I like to share with others as far as like my experience teaching and then my experience uh, as a parent and um, also as a martial arts instructor, different things like that. But yeah, so I'm living here in Spain. I've been here since 2013. And uh, no plans on obviously leaving anytime soon because my kids were born here. Right on, cool. Hey, that is cool. that is neat. Thanks. 
usually what I like to do is, is kick it to one of the, the co-hosts to uh, give me a, a little bit of uh, breathing room. My anxiety is always at a, a fever pitch at the start of these interviews. So uh, Sam never fails us. I'm going to go ahead and kick it to Sam and let him um, throw out one of his questions and see where that takes us. I want you to uh, take over for a second there, Sam. That sounds great. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, Jesse, again, thanks for joining us on this recording of this episode. Uh, it's really neat to meet another dad from uh, a different corner of the globe. And uh, like I said, with that being said, you know, since you were born in America and have been, I wouldn't say like an expat, but transplanted over to Spain, you know, what is the most surprising thing about the Spanish culture most people don't know about, whether it be about food or, you know, transportation or um, uh some kind of social things that they that they do there. Do you have any examples or anything like that? I'm trying to think. You threw me uh, off when you said what people don't expect. Um, I don't know. You expect Spanish people to be like slow, you know, slow moving and relaxed. And they are. You expect them to be kind of like like socially open and, and kind of uh, welcoming. Uh, and they are. Uh, to an extent, you know, you have, you know, you have different kinds, but the, there are um, nothing, I would say nothing really surprised me, you know, that caught me off guard what I wasn't expecting. Um, one thing you think that, that uh, everyone in the whole world speaks English. I mean, that's why I had a job to teach English, but uh, as Spanish people, many of them they know English more than they use. So that kind of surprised me coming from South Korea where they, they wanted every chance. Maybe it's because we look different, so much different from the Asian, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Asian countries, but they took every chance that they could to, uh, to speak English and practice their English. And whereas not so much here, but um, no, pretty much what I was expecting is the Spanish culture is, you know, what I got. Is it okay? <laughs> yeah. Right. What do you? I, I so what? Some... How about if I can throw one back at you? What's kind of something you have in mind of what you know a stereotype? Any three of you that I can say, yeah, that's true or that's not true. Is there anything like that that you have in mind? Actually, um, I, I for I, I could kind of give an example question um, about maybe a cultural difference that you know that uh, we don't consider or we don't ever think about. Um, say for example. Yeah, a, a breakfast food in Spain, you know, is, you know, completely different than a breakfast food that we would uh, we would eat or, you know, consider like, uh, I don't know, do they eat uh, cornflakes, a bowl of cornflakes for dinner? That's a dinner food for them. You know, they're, they're things like that. That was going to be like a question that, hey, I did not know that or I didn't consider that. So um, that that was uh, that was going to be it for me. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, So, yeah, the I think the. That's an interesting thing. I've never thought about it, but I think that eating cereal late at night for dinner, I think that's a, a very American thing, come to think of it, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which I love it. Uh, I, I had to stop buying cereal on a side note. I had to stop buying cereal because I would just go through a box in like two nights. So I just How did that know? Did I know? Yeah, I got, right. I got lots of dads apparently have that. I have that craving. So. <laughs> yeah, no, their breakfast, they keep it simple, like a toast with like ham maybe or something like that. It's really small. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right so I know that my time spent in Europe, um, you know, on and off uh, over some years, I did notice some things that uh, were different than American culture or like what we see in our little corner of the globe in this hemisphere. 
um, you know, like public transportation is is pretty advanced and it's pretty pretty darn efficient over there. Uh, it's you don't really have to own a vehicle to travel to get to where you need. And even if you did, I mean, the licensing and the testing and the permits to even get that is really expensive. And so a lot of people don't even it rely is. on that. They public transportation, for example, is I mean, it's really boss over there. I mean, it's it's great. It is. It is. It's almost more convenient to take public transportation than have your car and go through all that, you know, the testing, like you said, and the expenses and parking. Yeah, especially here in the city. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, when you go to like public uh, places like parks or uh, events, there's not like really any kind of like surcharge. You know, everybody can kind of fit in at the beach and you know where some places allow um, certain kinds of, I guess, activities. If it's, uh, you know, an adult only beach or, you know, this one's got, uh, some environmental hazards like you know swim at your own risk because there might be sharks in this part so you know uh but they don't charge you for that like if uh you needed the license to go fishing i don't don't think there's a i don't think there's anything like that um yeah i don't know about that but um yeah there's not a charge to go on the beach like i think in the united states in some places a lot of places you have to pay to go on the beach right are they private some of them yeah or so i guess some of them are privately owned and you don't have access to it anyway yeah, that's. I don't think they have that here. Not the places I've been to, anyway. Right, right. Okay. Well, uh, all right. That um, that leads me to another question. Then, if uh, if that's okay, um, what kind of family friendly places? I'm sorry, some kind of family friendly places, you know, to travel to are there in your region that you would recommend to the listeners or to anybody? Yeah. So, um, well, I live in Seville. And in Seville, there are a couple different water parks that we go to. My kids love going to the water parks, Um, you know, going down giant water slides and things like that. They're a lot of fun. And uh, and then right outside of the city, there are a lot of like good scenery, like in the mountains, what they call Sierra, like just outside of the city. There are good lookout spots, uh, lakes, um, different caves, things like that. There are a lot of there's a lot of cool nature spots just outside of the city here and then of course we're not that far from the beach here so like an hour to a close beach an hour and a half it's uh, that's convenient that's a that's a short hop yeah 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 thanks for answering that question no that's really neat so seville uh, is it pronounced seville they pronounce it sevilla and then so it's with an a but they put an ill an e on the end so it's seville for you know foreigners and and i think the french use an e um okay yeah dirty french they use an e for everything (laughs) well let's not keep things uh away from dan for too long what do you guys talk (laughs) about dan share something with us um it's kind of a silly question but i ask all of our international guests the same the same thing um in your I guess I'll, I'll say in your travels or whatever to South Korea and now to Spain or whatever, um, how to, how do, how do those two places in particular view Americans on, on the whole, like, are we arrogant pricks or how, how do they, cause that's what like all the movies and all oh, those stupid Americans, you know, like that, like, is that true or, or what? No, no. Um, in South Korea, it's even it's different in both places, actually. So that's interesting. Uh, in South Korea, they really they're very hospitable to foreigners, uh, especially foreigners from like the United States, from Canada. And they really they really respect us a lot. 
And it's, a lot of it's due to their history and our history together and things like that. And in Spain, the same, I think, in other places in Europe, I think it's not the negative idea that a lot of, you know, like I kind of expected coming here. Um, I think the the worst part of it is American expats who are self-deprecating and and embarrassed by our own, you know, it's kind of like when your family, like your dad does something and you think it's embarrassing. You're like, oh my God, stop that. You know, when you're in high school, but your friends might think it's funny. I think it's like mm -hmm. that, like, we're like, oh my God, like, you know, my country does this, like, you know, guns or whatever, like, um, you know, whatever your view on guns is, whatever. But it's like that embarrassment over certain things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where most of like the negative ideas are come from. Does that make sense? Yeah. So more of a, a country than the people kind of thing. Yeah. Like they like they like the people, but they hate kind of the what we're doing as a like as our government, what our government does. It's like that's what I mean. That's what a lot of our guests have said. Like, we don't hate the people. We just hate what you guys are kind of doing. And yeah, so, I don't think or, it's that so much here in Spain. I think in Spain, they, they hate what their own government does more than anything else. The same yeah. as we do, you know. Yeah, that's what I hear most, uh, like negativity. Right on. Yeah. And then uh, with you being outside of where we're at, um, how did the how did the pandemic affect you where you were at differently? I just I just like to get an idea because, you know, we're in our own little bubbles and our own little world. So we get firsthand of what we see. But how was it? What was it like where you where you were at? Yeah. So I think in the early stages, it was the same as everywhere. Just I mean, you're locked down and then you're in your place and you don't know what's going on. You know, I remember first going out, leaving the house when I had to go to the supermarket. Right. And you have to, like, cover your mouth and everything. But I went out and I felt like I was in a zombie movie, like it was a ghost town. And there are a lot of people in the city right now. It's a small city. So you'd always see you're always seeing people around. But that first week or those that first month, it felt so strange. It felt like the end of the world. Um, so but then after that, things started opening up. It's crazy that it almost feels like it was so long ago right like i don't know if it's for you it feels like yeah that was it it was almost not real right? <laughs> right that we were locked in the house for three months um and uh but i think there wasn't as much of um of a split like aggression like what I get was over there. And of course I get what's on the news and they're always going to amplify the, the division, but I don't think there was quite the aggressive division here. Like there was in the United States, or at least like what I saw in the news. Um, it wasn't like team vaccine against team Novax or whatever. You do have people that don't, that aren't vaccinated, but it generally, I don't really know because it generally doesn't come up in discussion. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah, uh, like you said, it was, I mean, <clears throat> there was a lot of people, not to dive too into it, but yeah, there was definitely a, you're either for it or against it or whatever, and it got pretty, pretty rowdy from what I was, not rowdy, but like it got pretty heated, like you can't even talk about it without 
pissing people off, you know, one way yeah. or the other. And it's, yeah, it was pretty divided for a while here. Um, and yeah, I, now, like you said, it seems so long ago that we don't even, it's not even really a topic anymore, really around here, at least in, in our little area. But yeah, I'm just, I was just curious of like, you know, how it affected you and compared to what we went through, like we were, you know, we were pretty, we're in the South. So it was kind of, kind of lax a little bit more so than like up North or whatever they were, you know, they took it quote unquote more seriously or whatever they had stricter regulations and all that than kind of what I saw around here. But I was just wondering being out of the country, what it was like in different parts of the world. Yeah, no, it was pretty, I, I mean, I wouldn't say super strict. Well, I mean, other than being locked in your house for three months, I was kind of strict, but that was like across the board, across the world. Right. Yeah. But after that, I think we were something that's interesting in the United States. And if I, I think I'm right about this, but correct me if I'm wrong, it varied from state to state. You know, some states got let out of their house or were allowed to go out like before other states. Is that correct? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no, here it's least... more like a nationwide, like the country it was, you know, lifted off. I think I know, I know around here where we live, we're close to another state and, um, our state like did away with the masks. And then the other state neighboring state was like, no, you still need them. So, uh, we, we were, you know, maskless where, you know, going to the supermarket or going to the doc, well, to the doctor, you still had to have one, but like anywhere else other than that, you could walk in like you could before but you go to the the next state over and it's like no you need you need to cover and you need all this so yeah it was definitely state by state what state are you guys in uh me and dan are in tennessee and sam's uh i don't know walla walla <laughs> i can never remember where he's from arkansas arkansas yeah he, one of those flyover states my, my my parents just moved down to alabama last year so what wow. southerners okay. now <laughs> they're retired and it's hotter there than uh than those pennsylvania winters that gets rough on my dad's uh health i spent a couple of days in philadelphia in the summer once and it was wonderful but yeah i would imagine it gets pretty cold in the winter yeah yeah um so i guess it's my turn um the anxiety's kind of sort of wore off you uh y- your life in a couple ways parallels mine to a certain degree uh, and I wanted to get into that a little bit. I was briefly, I say briefly in a relative way, married to a woman from Taiwan. We uh, got married when I was in the army and we were together for a little while after, uh, or during my entire tour. And then, and then a little bit after that. And, uh, there was uh, times here and there where she would say that I should, uh, teach English. And it was all, uh, almost always uh, going to be, you know, online in some way, shape or form. But there were a couple of times that we went and visited Taiwan and there was, you know, briefly talk of moving there and doing that sort of thing. And uh, also, uh, you, um, I'm assuming, you you, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, living in Spain, uh, you probably know Spanish. And I uh, minored in Spanish in school. Uh, My, um, one of my teachers was actually from Spain. I want to say Barcelona or Barcelona. Um, But... uh, it, it's dim and the, the, the memory is very vague. So I had a couple of questions, uh, you know, tying all those together. First of all, uh, as far as, um, you know, when you decided to, to move off to teach English, 
what drew you to South Korea as, as opposed to uh, China or, or Taiwan or, or any of those other uh, Asian countries that are typically looking for uh, white uh, American uh, English teachers? Yeah, interesting question. And that's interesting because it started with a trip here to Sevilla. And, uh, and when I was here visiting my friend, it's where something like flipped in my head, a switch flipped and, and living abroad that whole life changed my perspective from something, oh, that's good for him to do. That's cool that he can do that too. Holy crap, this is something I could do. I could do this, you know, and something switched, right? And I loved Sevilla, like the sun, the colors, the women, like it was like, I loved it. It was paradise, especially here in the spring. I came in in April or May. And, but I had no teaching experience. I had no teaching certification. Um, and being an American at that time, I had no, you know, European citizenship or any paperwork. And they weren't hiring Americans really to teach English at that time because their finding British English teachers was so easy. They were part of the European Union at the time, and um, and they wouldn't have that extra expense of the paperwork, right? So, but my friend was like, "Hey, if you want to teach English, I looked into South Korea, and it's really easy. In South Korea, you don't need to have experience. You didn't need to have a certificate. If you had them, great. That's a bonus." But all you needed was to be a native speaker, check, and a university degree, check. And uh, and to check both those boxes, not only did they handle everything, they paid for your flight over there. So I didn't have to pay for the flight. Uh, they paid really well, especially compared to other countries, which is probably why I didn't. I didn't go to China because it was, that's not somewhere that attracted me. Uh, I looked into Japan a little bit. Korea paid better. And I already had a familiarity with South Korea because I had taken a Korean martial art called Tang Sudo. It's like Taekwondo. And, uh, and with that familiarity, I knew some Korean American people. Uh, I knew the flag and you know, it's something weird. Like when you know that you're familiar with the flag, you have that contact like every week, uh, the letters, I could kind of read the letters a little bit. It just made a lot of sense to go there. Right on. Um, <clears throat> along those same lines, when, you know, I guess maybe it's something that the, the you know, the local populace has learned to deal with uh, over time, just always having that over their heads. But uh, when I was in Taiwan, I, uh, in the back of my head, there was always, is China going to invade while I'm here? Like, is that going, is that, you know, the time, is it, is it now? And I know that South Korea is always on the, the verge of conflict with the psycho. So uh, was it similar in that they just, you know, kind of uh, didn't let it bother them? Um, and at the same time, uh, you yourself, did you ever uh, have that in your mind? Yeah, interesting. So um, there wasn't that constant tension. And um, we just never thought about it. But interesting story, I actually went to the DMZ. I went on the border, went in one of the rooms, and I technically crossed the line over to um, inside inside a meeting room into North Korea. I saw in the distance on the line some North Korean soldiers, you know, marching off in the distance. So that was really interesting. But as far as worrying about, you know, when they're going to invade or what, I, no, that never even, there were occasions, you know, 
so they did something crazy, like a bomb went off in the middle of the of the sea. Kim Jong Un did this, or you know, Kim Jong Il died. So what are they going to do? But nothing really. Um, probably more so in America, because like I always thought, like uh, if they're going to bomb somebody, they would probably choose you guys more than their own. Like, certainly, yeah, <laughs> certainly if they could reach it, which apparently I yeah. guess they can. Exactly. So, uh, no, there wasn't that. It was more like like the Korean idea, the South Korean idea, if it were brought up, it was kind of either one of two things. One is like kind of that embarrassment thing of my own country people, but also like, uh, you know, we want unity if we can. So it was more like that. Cool. Yeah, that uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. We're not really against you guys. We're all on the same continent. Why don't we just get along? Yeah, and we're the same country, really. It's just, you know, divided. Yeah, they're just an imaginary line down the middle. Yeah. The one last question before I kick it back over to Sam for, uh, I'm sure, some far more insightful questions. I'm a uh, Premier League fan. You live in the heart of La Liga country. Do you ever get to see any games? Are you a football fan at all? You know what? I'm not. And uh, uh, do, you, uh, I, uh, do you ever like... I know. Um, not to interrupt you, but is, there, is it ever a matter of like, oh, God, you don't like football? What's wrong with you? Like, is it, is it popular there? I mean, it's a, it's a life culture, you know, it's a, it's a culture. Like you see kids playing, like it's, it is such a part of their culture. It's amazing to see what some of these kids do with a soccer ball, what they call a football. Um, you know, like eight years old, 10 years old. Like I look at them, I'm like, they're just like kicking the ball around, you know, like we throw a football around or baseball or something. They're just like kicking it around, but they're using their feet kind of like hands and uh, the control that they have. I remember I was teaching one time in uh, middle school and there was <laughs> there, there was there was a circle of kids and they were playing with the soccer ball, kicking it back and forth. And the teacher kind of were like, okay, guys, like, come on in. And she didn't really have much control of the class. And I was like a teacher's assistant. So I was like, guys, let's go. And they, you know, they weren't paying attention. They were kicking the ball. And there was this one kid, he, he didn't strike you as like the athletic type. You know what I mean? But here's an example of how ingrained it is in the culture. And me being a guy, as we do, when you see a ball, you go for it. I mean, it's just like instinct. You see a ball, you go for it. I'm like, okay, guys, let's go. And I thought I was going to take the ball away from this kid. He just like effortlessly took the ball and was like, boom, boom, and passed it to somebody else. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm the teacher. And I just got, you know, juked out. And uh, I just had to laugh at myself for trying that but yeah it's a, it's a part of the culture here and it's not they don't really say like oh my god you don't like football but i will say i'm surprised and i have that reaction when i meet a spaniard who doesn't like football which yeah. that's happened only a couple times but i'm like whoa you're like me i'm the same way with with american football i don't really like it but it seems like everybody around me it's like the end all be all oh man Dude. especially the south huh yeah, for sure. I mean, give me uh, the Atlanta Braves every time. I'll walk over the Tennessee Titans to get to a Braves game. There you go. So anyways, uh, back to Sam with uh, maybe uh, even a dad question. Who knows? But we'll find out together. Take it away, Sam. All right. Um, so your, um, your two children that you have, you know, your eight-year-old and your, uh, and your five-year-old, uh, since they were born there and raised there, what are some regional foods that you get? for them in their area that they enjoy the most um something that you know if we were traveling or passing through 
you know, on a vacation or a business trip or something, would you, you know, recommend a particular restaurant or a particular dish or something that, you know, you can only find in your area? You know what, something I found, that's an interesting question, because you would think that they have regional foods that they like, but it is so funny. Kids are kids. And uh, like it's hard to get them to want to think, want to eat anything else other than hot dogs or macaroni. And uh, their macaroni is like macaroni with tomato sauce. But Mm -hmm. it's crazy how kids are kids, you know, and uh, and how much of a fight it is. Not even a fight because I don't let it be a fight, but like to eat broccoli and things like that. But uh, yeah, they love pizza. They love macaroni with tomato sauce. They love hot dogs. Um, and kind of hamburgers when we have them, but yeah, Spanish food, like Spanish, like what they call tapas, like they don't really like, because my daughter doesn't like seafood, which is a big thing here. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, kids are kids when it comes to that. That's really interesting to hear because I mean, I think Dan still is as well. Uh, we're enduring a very heinous picky eating phase where mm-hmm. my son and his daughter will just, it's just torturous sometimes. Yesterday we could him. Mine's two. He'll, well, he'll be two on the 23rd and Dan's my, just turned three. My, yeah. Yeah. Just turned three. The last night he wouldn't have dinner at all. And of course, he woke up super early this morning because he was hungry. And uh, but with that being said, and not to hijack the thanks from Sam, but uh, do you have any tips, advice, tricks that you could give out to dads about the things that you've learned uh, to overcome that? Yeah, that's a it, you know, it's a frustrating thing, isn't it? As a parent, you're like, mm-hmm. I don't get the the resistance to eating like it, it's crazy and I don't really know if I was a picky eater I know I wasn't a sleeper and I cried um so when I was an infant so you know when my son cried when he was an infant it was kind of like karma and my mom was like ah yeah you were that way too and um <laughs> it's funny when I was going through it like I did not sleep my son did not sleep screaming and crying and she's like, yeah, you were the same thing, but don't worry, it'll pass. Like, I, I don't think it was any more than two years. I was like, two years? <laughs> <laughs> it's two years. <laughs> and, uh, but it certainly was, it certainly was. But uh, those picking, so I guess the biggest tip is um, as difficult as it is and as frustrating it is, as it is, losing patience and losing your cool which i've done will only make it worse you know something that i've learned over the years is you know we cannot calm a a tense situation by raising our level of intensity right Mm -hmm. so uh stay calm and uh and do what you can to make it fun and also experiment with different things like i've um to make them eat vegetables, I would do little things like put spinach underneath the pizza cheese when we made pizza and put spinach under there or broccoli, but I'd cut up really, 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 really thin, thin, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so different things like that, I experiment with different things, but the number one thing, like do what you can. I know it's frustrating uh, to keep your own cool, um and don't press too much you know let them have their own way sometimes and maybe use that as a tool 
it's hard because kids won't reason. So you can't be like, well, I gave you what you wanted last time. Remember last week? <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't remember last week. And, um, <laughs> but uh, do what you can experiment with different things. And the biggest thing, I guess, like try to have fun, make it fun yourself and experiment with different ways to maybe sneak good food in there. Um, compromise a little bit when necessary, things like that. I remember I did the pizza trick and I was so proud of myself when, <laughs> when I saw my kids eating it and, uh, and I was laughing and I wanted to tell them right there after my daughter was finished, my daughter was, I don't know, like six or five at the time. And, oh, we do gratitude and we might get into this later. We do gratitude at the end of, of the night before bed. It's what are you grateful for? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I was like, I'm grateful that you ate spinach tonight for dinner. And, she, <laughs> and her face, it's like, she's like, you put spinach in the pizza? <laughs> you And then she went to strangle me. It was so funny. So nice. anyway, that, that, that you could enjoy it yourself and, you know, make it entertaining. So that's. That's, I guess, the biggest overall umbrella trick. Make it fun and <laughs> like try to be creative. <laughs> cool. Right on. I appreciate that. That one's going to end up a reel for sure. Um, <laughs> before we get into the nitty gritty of, of what you have as far as um, the Eagle Method, I'm kind of interested in. Um, but as far as everything um, career and um, more specifically dad oriented, Dan, did you have any uh, last questions you wanted to throw out there? Uh, I got some dad related stuff. If you want to jump into that, well, let's just move right along then and take it over. <clears throat> All right. Um, I ask every dad this question cause it's, you know, a dad question. Um, what is the, uh, it's a two-parter. What is the best piece of advice you were given either when you found out you were going to be a dad right before they got here or right after they were born? And, and what is the best piece of advice you could give to a dad like that? That's just getting ready to become a father. Oh, interesting. Um, the best piece of advice that I got when I first became a father, um, you know what? Anyone who's like a new father or just going to be a father, I guess it's not really the advice that I got, but it's the, the personalization of what those things mean. So you always heard like, you know, it's a different kind of love. You never love anything as much as your kids. Like there's a, it's a, it changes your life and uh, you do everything for them. And, um, and that's all true, but you never really get what that actually means. And I can't even, you can't even put it into words because all of what they said is true, but until you feel it, it's a different feeling than anything that it's a different feeling than anything that you've had. So um, I guess like understand that what everyone says is true when it comes to this, uh, but expect it to be even deeper and different. Like there's nothing to relate it to. And uh, it's a love. It's a, it's, I don't even know. It's a joy. It's a responsibility. Um, and, but I'll tell you one thing that I really can't stand that people say 
that I completely disagree with. And, and it's the idea of like it being a full-time job. Um, I think a lot of parents uh, use that terminology and with good intentions, like, oh, it's a responsibility. It's a full-time job, especially people who aren't parents. Um, but when people are parents and they say that, I'm like, man, it's really not. Uh, yes, you are a parent 24-7, but it's not a 24-7 job. They go to you know school or daycare, they're sleeping, um, things like that. But also it's not a job any more than any other relationship that you have as a job. You know, if you're married or you have a partner, like you're in that relationship 24-7, but I wouldn't call it a job. Yeah. And, uh, and mm-hmm. I think that that idea of it being a job we get it in our heads because we hear it a lot and then we repeat it and it, it makes us tired. You know, when I thought that it like made me tired until I released that and, uh, and it's not a full-time job, it's a relationship. Uh, it's a responsibility. The first like three years, you're, I was terrified every day of my life. <laughs> it was like, I'm, I'm messing, like terrified. Uh, but that goes away eventually. And, uh, but yeah, it's a relationship. So that's, I guess what I would say is, is don't give it to the idea that it's a full-time job because I think that then creates some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy that it becomes a job and then you become tired and then you become irritated and you, you, then you end up making the same mistakes that people made with you, whoever was watching you. And then that's where the generational trauma and the generational cycles happen because we just kind of like follow a script that we're told our whole lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Yeah. I also want one more thing real quick. Uh, I was thinking of this as you were talking. Um, It's not really a question. It's more of a kind of a continuation comment on what you were saying. Um, I know for me personally, when my wife became pregnant, um, it didn't really hit me until she was here that my daughter was born. I mean, my wife immediately, because they have to carry the the baby for nine, hopefully nine months. And, um, so they realized immediately, oh, Hey, you know, it's going to change. I'm, you know, but we know it in the, in our mind, but it doesn't click. And at least it didn't for me until the second I saw her and I was like, Oh, okay. Yep. That's what all that means. Like moms to me, get a head start on the, the unconditional love and the, you know, all that, because they, they have to carry them and dads don't get it until they actually physically see them or, or lay hands on them or, you know, so yeah, I get what, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And that's so true. Uh, That happened to me, too. Uh, It's one of those things. I did have a a flip switch, a switch flipped uh, in the pregnancy. Like I it's almost like I felt more on alert and there was something biological. I I felt more on alert and um, and I knew the responsibility. I felt the responsibility. And any dads listening, if your wife or your girlfriend, your partner is pregnant, a huge thing to do is to talk to the baby every night uh talk to them uh inside the you know the belly talk to them you know touch them rub them that creates a bond with you but also something interesting uh and i'm gonna get back to that feeling too so remind me if i don't but something interesting 
that I did that every night with my daughter every day as much as much I could, you know, your first one, you're like, you're like captain dad. And, uh, and the, her first day, like in her new crib in the hospital room, my mother-in-law at the time was in there with her. And I had come back from leaving to do some paperwork, you know, sign some papers and things like that. I came back into the hospital room and there's the crib. And then my mother-in-law sitting on the couch and I said something to her. And she said that Sophia, like little one day old Sophia, she heard my voice and she looked up like with a familiar look right like she recognized like according to her she looked up like she heard something that she recognized she heard a voice that she recognized so that's creates such a powerful bond but i i definitely agree that feeling mine wasn't even like the first second like in fact i was almost worried about myself going back to your terrified the whole first two years like i was almost worried about myself i'm like am i a sociopath like i don't feel this like intense love like it's almost like I I was like oh I know like I know this response she's mine and and it's crazy and it's it's somebody that fits right here in my hand but like it wasn't until maybe even months that like that feeling really started growing and uh and it was crazy like I it's really unexplainable like I had the love and I said I love you and all of that but it's like until it almost didn't seem real maybe that's what it was it was surreal it almost didn't seem real like i'm a dad i had the exact same feeling it there was an intense attachment when you know when i saw him the first time i cried and all the stereotypical things oh yeah but then after that for maybe like you said maybe months there was a, a sense of this isn't my child i'm just babysitting him and someone's going to come along and take him home like whoever his real dad is, because I'm supposed to feel something more than I do. I always, uh, you know, to kind of um, take it back a little bit before I had him, I was like, oh, my pets, my dog, I love them more than anything. There's no, there's no love stronger than, than what I love, you know, the love I have for my dog. And then my son is born and I'm like, okay, well, that's ridiculous. This is true love. But then at the same time, it was like, it took me a while to, to build that attachment. Maybe it was a matter of, like you said, something as simple as uh, I did not um, speak enough to the, to the baby, um, you know, in the womb. I would, you know, rub on her uh, stomach, but I've just, uh, I don't talk a lot in general, uh, you know, as, as ironic as that may sound uh, on an interview, but that, you know, may have been the, the link that was missing um, because it did take a little bit to really, you know, connect and to feel that overwhelming uh, emotion that, that, you know, you hope comes right away, but for me, and, and you, uh, you know, took a little while. Um, but, you know, for any dads listening, like, if you know, if you don't immediately love your, your child with like all of your soul, that's actually normal. Um, you know, don't, uh, don't stress too much about that. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. We all have our own journeys, right? And, um, and I wonder how many dads, because I'm in Facebook groups and, and, you know, mostly women are vocal in those and they're like, you know, my partner like is detached. And so I wonder almost if, if dads don't feel that 
so then they feel and I, and I'm saying this so anyone listening if you're if you're going through that phase if they almost like detach themselves even more thinking like something in me's broken or you know it doesn't feel like they were expecting to feel so then they kind of like give up or they they get frustrated like we all have our own journeys right They're like some people feel that love in the womb some people feel it on the first day some people a couple you know weeks later a couple months later um whatever it's it's we all have our own journey there's no right and there's no wrong in how you feel uh so i just want to encourage anyone listening if they might go through that like it's all right just keep loving it keep keep acting in love with it with like with it with him or with her and uh and it'll come you know it'll come for sure because it's it's life you know it's the way it goes unless you are a sociopath in which case like like still act like you love it you know (laughs) yeah because you have to fool everybody around you (laughs) yeah like i'm sorry you have that but you know how to act like if you're a sociopath but you're not a criminal like you've done that that's just the way it is so we all have our own journeys (laughs) you've probably gotten used to it by now so just continue on pretend you're a loving father yeah all right um i had uh i do have a couple things but sam did uh did you have anything that uh you could throw out there dad related to really give some good uh, content to our, our sparse, but dedicated listenership. Uh, The question that I had was going to be later on after, um, after Mr. Jesse talked about some of the, some of the accolades and some of the things that he's involved with either his, um, his uh, entrepreneurial programs and, and, uh, and website development. So um, I think once he gets into a little bit more about that, I may have a question later on. Ooh, something to look forward to. All right. Um, Foreshadowing. Okay. So uh, in that case, I wanted to um, kind of get into some of the words that you use. Um, Empowered is a very all encompassing word. And for, uh, you know, a parent that is looking a father, a mother, what have you, for a parent that is looking to, you know, reach that next level to reach what they would consider empowerment. What is, in your opinion, the very, the very first step they need to take? Yeah. Love yourself. Uh, think about you first and, uh, and do the proper healing that you need to do on yourself first. Go back to the little boy or the little girl inside of you that needs love and care and support. Go back to them first. Um, you know, it's a very common thing again with the, the cliches, like everything I do is for my kids you know, I, I live for my kids. I sacrifice for my kids. Well, maybe you need to stop doing that right now. Maybe the thing that will help your kids thrive the most is for you to heal yourself and to love yourself. It's like, uh, like on an airplane when the gas masks come down and they give you, they give their whole spiel. And they say, when the gas masks come down, you put your gas mask on first before you put on your child's because why? Because if you don't take care of yourself first, you might not be able to take care of your child because you might, you know, pass out. It's the same thing. So many parents, I see themselves draining themselves of energy, of love, of resources, of of impact, trying to give to their children, but they themselves are depleted. 
So they're, they're giving from a depleted source. And I'd say the first thing that you should do, that all of us should do, is to put ourselves first, get selfish. And, and you know, and I don't mean like F you to the world, but like, but maybe that's necessary for a little bit, but put yourself first, uh, but with the intention, like I'm putting myself first so that I can give more to my child, to my partner, to my community, to my parents, to my whatever, but put yourself first. Take care of that little boy or that little girl that's inside. Uh, do some healing within. Do some uh, work within. Some forgiveness within. Fill your tank with love so you can give a sufficient amount of love and then have more to spare. So I think that's the first step. Cool. That's actually a, a really, really great advice just all the way around. Oh, yeah. um, with, with that being said, do you, in your opinion, you know, without making any judgments uh, one way or the other, uh, do you think that a father or mother uh, can, can take that introspective look on their own, or is it sometimes necessary uh, for a, a therapy uh, in one form or fashion? It's very difficult to do it on your own. Um, and by on your own, I mean, like, without anything. So at least start with personal development book, personal development YouTube videos, um, personal development podcast. And, and I mean, like, like uh, counseling, like some input to help you guide you through exploring yourself. Uh, that's the first, because you don't really know what to look for. You know, I mean, how many times have has anyone like started meditation in the last like two minutes because they're like, you start thinking, not even two minutes, probably when you first start, you start thinking of like things you have to do today or things you shouldn't have said yesterday that you said, or like, what the F am I doing? This is, I'm so tired and bored or whatever. Like your mind starts wondering. Uh, so you need that guidance to at least talk you through, focus on your breath, come back to your mm -hmm. breath, come back to the center, right? So in that form, at least start, if you don't want to pay for therapy or you're, you know, have a stigma against therapy or something at first, uh, start with at least a book, go to the self-help section, the personal development section, get a book, um, search on YouTube, um, inner child work, shadow work. That's a great place to start. Um, you know, consciousness. I talk about conscious parenting a lot. Look up some videos on conscious parenting, conscious living, living consciously, getting out of old pattern and cycles, right? And then maybe like work with someone, work with a personal development coach, work with a, a program, work with a therapist or counselor. It kind of depends on how much work you need to, because, um, you know, I've talked with some parents that they tell me what they're going through. I'm like, that's deeper than what I go. Like, you know, like you need some, like, let's get you some real help. You know what I mean? Um, some some professional. Some professional help. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I love how, how mind, you know, like mental health is not as taboo as it was when I was a kid. You know, mm -hmm. when I was growing up, if someone went to a therapy or they went to a counselor, it's like, kind of thought like they were crazy okay they went to okay you're crazy 
you know, and it's more and more every year, every month, I see more and more awareness to mental health, which is beautiful because uh, I'm a huge advocate of mental health. I think everybody, whether you have a problem or, or not, could go to therapy or get coaching or something in some area because there's always a blind spot that we don't see. Even if it's someone who can ask a certain question, make you think about something in a different way, right? Um, just the act of talking to somebody who knows how to guide a conversation. It's not just a friend who like will be like, yeah, you're right, you know, or whatever, but it's someone who not knows. Not somebody trying to enable you, in other words. <clears throat> yeah, definitely not, right? And even a good friend that wouldn't enable you, it's like there, it's a different dynamic, right? So someone who can ask the right questions, dig into the right places um, to do some healing, right? So I think everybody should reach out and seek help from somewhere, whether it's a professional counselor, whether it's a coach, whether it's, uh, you know, a group or whatever, right? Yeah. Good advice. That actually led me to a couple things that I could have, uh, uh, you know, asked you about, but we are coming down to the wire here. And I, I know that um, my compatriots probably have a couple questions and it may be that we still have time to get to them. But I want to take the this point to steer things more toward what you have going on currently uh, with your uh, parent leadership program, with your Eagle Method uh, program, and uh, just what can you share with us about those? How can you know? How can those help dads? And uh, and how would you uh, you know give us your elevator pitch, so to speak, on those things? Okay, so apparently, well, the Eagle Method. Let's start there. That started from a method that I used teaching English, and it was something completely different than what it is, what I call it now. And Eagle now, after all of my personal development work, uh, I kind of created a little acronym for it to help us to get centered, right? And it's E-A-G-L-E, energy, uh, attention, because everything's rooted in our energy. We are energetic beings, right? Uh, even down to our molecules that are moving and shaking, we're energy, uh, even on a subatomic level. Uh, energy, where our attention attention goes, our energy flows, right? So what's your attention on? That's the A, right? So many people are like, you know, they're focused on what I don't have, my relationships and not working out. Um, my, uh, my child doesn't have both parents at home or, you know, whatever. They focus on the doom and gloom. You know, we started talking about COVID, like um, everything was like, all in the news, it's so disastrous, it's this, it's that, everything, like everything in the news, stop watching the news first, everyone, <laughs> like stop watching the news, it's just- Preach. Yeah, it's, buddy. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> um, but, but it really is, it, it's designed to draw negativity because that's what draws our attention. I don't even get my weather from the news anymore. <laughs> no, I, I get it from the app. <laughs> yeah. Dan just walks outside and looks up at the sky. <laughs> yeah. It's summer. It's going to be hot. <laughs> um, EA, attention, energy, attention, gratitude, gratitude. Everything is gratitude. I said that we do gratitude every night. I do gratitude every morning. Like live in a state of gratitude. So, and that which our, our attention goes, our energy flows and it grows. So whatever you're grateful for, 
and what gets your attention, it will grow and expand, right? Including the love for your kids. We talked about like, you know, we didn't have that loving feeling. I believe that since I continued behaving in that way, uh, that I acted in love, that probably grew my love, my feeling love even stronger, right? Because my attention and my energy went there. So E-A-G, gratitude. L, learn and E, evolve. And uh, that's kind of just coincidence because the ego method meant something completely different, but I'm keeping it because, um, because it works. And, and that's kind of a philosophy that I go by in life. And as far as apparent leadership, that's a community where, uh, where parents can go and feel like they're a part, that they're not alone. You know, many parents, they feel like they're alone. They feel lost. They feel like, what am I doing? You know, they finish the night with this guilty feeling or feeling, finish the week focused on the negative, how they blew up at their kids, how they uh, lost control. They have that guilty feeling. They, or they're just like, I don't know what to do. Maybe their child's getting bullied. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't feel confident talking about, you know, whatever, um, intimate things and whatever talking because maybe they were bullied as kids and they don't know how to handle it or they whatever um but it's just a place where we can go come together uh i give my thoughts i give a workshop once a month and then we have weekly q and a's just to to help guide and to help you know direct you shine light on some areas that might be dark things like that and um you know, regular email support. This is a place to get support and to feel like you're not alone. Right on. So basically a resource for dads and, and parents in general. Yeah. So uh, awesome. That sounds really cool. And that the, the Eagle uh, motto, I'm damn close to getting that tattooed. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that, no, that's, that's really that's great. Like, that's a really great motto. Uh, I made sure to write that down. Um, but uh, I know Sam said that he had uh, a question that was going to kind of maybe possibly hopefully be attached to what we're currently um, talking about, at least tangentially. So, hey, if I'm at all right, Sam, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and kick that out for us? And if it's not, I'll do what I can to bring it back to this. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Like so many adjectives, verbs and all that extra wordage there. Uh, Corey, appreciate that. Just, yeah. just covering my so, butt. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So you were a traveling English teacher and you've been doing that, you know, it seems like quite successfully for a number of years. And uh, that's, that's, uh, I think that could open up a lot of doors, you know, for even further travel to other places and corners of the globe. And just, you know, having that communion or that uh, ability to, you know, make a connection to another culture, bringing, you know, English there and uh, learning a little bit about where you've traveled, you know, in different corners of the globe along the way. I mean, I, I kind of envy you. That's, that's, uh, that's a that's a hell of an opportunity. Um, with that being said, do you have any other tips for kids that are trying to learn a second language um, to try to learn something bilingual and, you know, at an early age, either through uh, a school program or something on their own that they've been interested in? Yeah, first of all, thank you for those kind words. And uh, and it's funny when I went from teaching to thinking about helping parents, my first you know, my first iteration of helping parents was helping them raise bilingual kids. So, um, and kids are such a sponge when it comes to this. And 
teaching them another language is, uh, so Corey, you said that you minored in Spanish. Perfect. A perfect opportunity to introduce that language into your kid's worldview, you know, because um, it will have so many benefits down the road. So the first thing is to input before output, right? Even from zero to five years old, our kids are the most influential. We set the foundation for the people that they're going to be, right? And from zero to two years old, that's when we form our pronunciation and we hear, you know, the accents and everything. So as much input as you can, the better, right? So put songs in your desired language or not even your desired language, other languages, right? Italian, French, Chinese, whatever, um, put music. Uh, if you put the TV on Netflix or something, if there's an option for your desired language, which there most likely is nowadays, um, put that on for them because they're getting, they have their whole world open in your native language, right? So if you include this make your house like a little bubble for the second language that's what we did with our kids like I was kind of really you know a stickler at first with the tv goes on excuse me the tv goes on in English um you know I spoke to them always in English uh so their world with me my Spanish has suffered a little bit as a result but like their world with me was in English and now they're you know very comfortable with English. So input before output. The second point is to make it fun, right? I said I was a stickler with language, but I was never like, like ham-fisted with forcing English. I always it's found a, a way to make fisted. it fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, make it fun, kind of like what we said earlier with eating, right? Make it fun. So I remember one time my daughter around two years old, uh, we, I was putting on Netflix, you know, Masha and the Bear or something, and she was going to preschool or, you know, daycare or whatever in Spanish. Her whole world is Spanish, but TV was English. She's like, English, no. <clears throat> and, and I was faced with that, you know, I was like, so do I force English and then make a bad connection? Cause I don't want to make a negative connection with English. And I was like, you don't watch us in English? No, English, no. It's like, what am I going to do? And then I had like a light bulb moment. And I was like, okay, we don't have to watch this in English. But we can't watch it in Spanish either. Because Spanish is everywhere. So we can choose. And then I opened up Netflix. And I just like said a bunch of languages. You can watch in Russian, Chinese, Italian, French, <laughs> German. And just because she's, you know, a hard-headed two-year-old, she just chose like the last thing I said, like German or or y Yiddish. whatever, <laughs> Yiddish, whatever. <laughs> and and she's like, yeah, when I was like, okay, because I thought it was a win-win. I put myself in a win-win situation whenever possible. I was like, okay, either she is say no and want to go back to English, or she'll like it, and then that'll be another language that we can play with. And uh, so I put it on. I was like, okay. Here we go. So she made it like 10 seconds and she's like, okay, English. <laughs> okay, it's it's your choice, you know. So um make it fun uh and you know have fun with it, input before output, and just encourage them when possible and be flexible. 
uh, really good. At, I was thinking about other ways just outside of, uh, you know, language learning that that sort of thing could, could work with, um, just like my son, you know, wanting, like he'll want to go outside and, you know, maybe it's good to go outside, but I don't want him thinking that he can go outside whenever he wants. So, you know, making that like a, like, yeah, okay. Uh, without getting too specific, like giving him another option that, you know, maybe, uh, he, he's definitely going to say no to, but then I can be like, okay, so we'll go outside, you know, that, um, kind of, uh, molding that to fit the uh, the situation, um, at least in my head, uh, seems to be pretty helpful. Yeah, and like those choices, like A and B, like the choices within a box, like, okay, do you want cauliflower or do you want broccoli? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, Sometimes yeah. they'll say neither one, but uh, <laughs> but those are the options. <laughs> I mean, and, and you have, op- <laughs> I'm never going to make you do one thing. You get to choose. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've we've kind of uh, hogged the the show away from Dan. Dan, did you have any questions that uh, pertain to what we were uh, kind of uh, shooting for here toward the end? Uh, no, y'all can just keep going. I'm soaking it in. <laughs> Dan is a a student of the game. He um, takes it in just like the listeners, and uh, you know tries to grow. Um, he's better by the end of the episode than he was at the beginning. Um, right on. So uh, me too. Yeah. And that's really, I was talking to, uh, I think both of them about uh, this earlier. We look at you guys, you dads, you, you guests, you're like our, um, and, and you in particular kind of fall into this category. You're like our martial arts master. And we were, you know, we were uh, thought we were big, bad uh, martial artists. And then, you know, the, uh, the evil uh, Yakuza came to town and kicked our butt. And now we're going around and learning from all these different masters so that we can, you know, come back and be the dad that we originally thought that we were. Um, but actually, in all actuality, you know, we are 10 times better than we were at the beginning. And it, uh, it really is starting to, uh, you know, have an effect. I really do feel like I have, um, you know, it's one thing to learn these things, to take them in, but it's another thing to actually change, you know, your thinking and, and your, your, uh, your parenting. And I think I'm mm-hmm. finally starting to take it uh, from a, an intellectual level to a practical level. And, and, you know, it's, uh, definitely giving me more confidence to find out that things that I had done almost arbitrarily just so happened to be, you know, something that many other dads were already doing, uh, which, you know, in my mind, majority makes right in that particular situation, uh, though, given, you know, every child is different. It's good to know that, you know, I just kind of fell into the right path on a, on a couple of different things. And then, you know, speaking about those things, you learn more about them and, and, I really do feel like, you know, if I was a freshman when the, when the podcast started, I'm certainly now at least a sophomore and, you know, looking to grow and learn uh, even more uh, until hopefully one day, you know, I'm that martial arts master that is teaching the the next, you know, up and comer, the next uh, Bruce Lee. And, um, you know, I can look uh, in fondness at, at his progress, uh, you know, at least partially because of, of what I, you know, uh, taught and shared and and what uh you the guest gave us um initially the the ingredients so to speak and then you know the food that we make uh you know enlightens their their uh, path and makes their journey as dads you know just a little bit easier at least yeah that's that's, what we hope for <clears throat> yeah that's so awesome uh those are such you know kind and powerful words too and um and i think it 
that's the journey, right? Uh, with everyone, we can be the teacher and the student to everyone we meet. You know, as I'm sure you guys have said many times, and I say, like, my kids are my greatest teacher. And, uh, you know, I'm better every day, thanks to them. And uh, and I love the martial arts analogy because it is true. And you are the teacher to so many. And you're going to be to more people because, um, you know, when I was actually in martial arts, like, you don't have to be a black belt before you start teaching. When I was a blue belt, you know, I, I was you know, assigned to show some like white belts, you know, some bag work or something like that. And um, that's just the like the level. And then when you think that you've arrived, then there's always someone that you learn from and you learn from like new people and you learn from everyone. <clears throat> and, uh, and just from the nature of like you guys producing something like this consistently, like it's always on your minds. And the same thing with me, it's always on my mind to become better. And that helps me just in and of itself. Like, how, how am I going to navigate through this situation, you know? <clears throat> and, then, and then you navigate through it. Or maybe you, like, just stumble. And that's another thing that I'm pretty careful about doing. I don't want to paint my Facebook as full of, like, sunshine and rainbows. And, like, I have a solution mm -hmm. for everything. You know, mm -hmm. just the other day I posted, like, how I blew up. And, um, and it happens. And then how do you navigate after that? And I think just producing something like this to help others, you're putting yourself in a leadership position. And then when we're put in a leadership position, we kind of like grow into that position, right? And, um, and I just applaud what you guys are doing with this, especially targeting dads, especially we talked about in the beginning, and there aren't many resources like this specifically for dads. And it's highly needed. Uh, so I applaud you guys for doing something like this. I appreciate Thank that. You. Thank you. Yeah, I, I look at this. Um, I, I, uh, I'm somewhat of a practitioner of, of Zen Buddhism. And I, I approach this with, uh, I think the, the slogan was uh, Zen, Zen Mind, Beginner Mind. At least that was a book that I read. You know, everybody has something to teach me, even, you know, my child. And I just try to be extra open during these interviews to take in, you know, every little bit that I can, every scrap of, of advice and every tip and, uh, you know, so that I can improve and, and evolve, uh, just, just like, so I can learn and evolve and then be grateful for it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through Eagle as already. <laughs> um, so before we, we, uh, kick this out and, and let you go and, and let me say that I thank you so much for your time. Um, I know that, you know, as a dad, uh, and as a working man, you know, it, it's hard to, uh, you know, claw out a little bit of time to talk to complete strangers from across the world. And we do appreciate you, you know, coming on and sharing your story, sharing your advice. And uh, I do want to get that out there and, and um, thank you so much for that. But before we uh, let you go, I did want to give Sam this uh, brief time to cover anything else that he might still have, because he always, as I said, comes with the good stuff. And we do have something from Dan to close us out and send us home on a happy note. But before we get there, did you have anything else, Sam? Uh, no, other than um, I, I know that uh, you mentioned something earlier about being in a different family structure, other than being a, a husband, wife or a mother, father, or however you want to configure that particular nuclear family. Uh, what would be some things as far as like, a, are you still currently like a single dad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we okay. co-parent. Uh, 
Got you. Got you. I, I myself am a, a, a single dad, have been for just a, a few years. And you were talking about navigating these things kind of like with more or less, um, I'm just going to generalize it with grace and poise, more or less, just trying to do the best you can with what you have and not letting it bog you down. There are some things, you know, that can change. I mean, that, I'm sorry, that are with within your ability to change, like how you react to a situation or a decision that you make based off of, um, I guess the facts presented in front of you, but uh, it's uh, what would be, you know, something uh, from a single dad's point of view that you would offer as like a little tidbit of advice. Yeah, good question. So <clears throat> uh, we can be single dads for many reasons. So I guess I'm going to talk specifically about the separated ones. Um, mm. You know. I don't really have much to say about like if you lost your partner, that's a different, I don't have experience with that. But uh, as a separated couple, um, you know, the kids needs come first and the kids needs aren't just like clothes on the back. It's a supported structure. And something that's very important to say is that even if a marriage or a partnership, a family, nuclear family, like you said, didn't work. That doesn't mean that you are a failure. I think so many people like would call that and say like, I have a failed marriage. Well, you have a marriage that like the relationship didn't work. And, mm -hmm. uh, and if you've identified that and you're separated and you're both in a better place, then I think that's a success. And it's very, and if it's not a success now, because maybe you feel bad or you feel guilty or you've been kicking yourself, you don't have to kick yourself because this is the road that's in front of you now. And I think it's important to say, like, even if you have a marriage that didn't work, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. Even if the marriage is a failure, that if you want to use that word, the marriage is a failure, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. Because the only way that we can be a failure is if we give up on ourselves and we give up on our kids. And um, the important thing is never say anything bad about the other parent. Um, you can't control what they say about you. Um, and fortunately, in my case, we both have a very mutual, we have a better relationship and friendship now than when we were together. But I know a lot of people are not that way. Um, right. But as far as like taking leadership, you can't control what the other person says, you can control what you say. And uh, don't ever talk bad about the other person. A lot of people say don't say anything negative about the other parent in front of your kids. I would take that one step farther and say, even if you're by yourself, in the shower with no one else around don't try not to try to catch yourself at those words because anything you say in private it'll come out in public and those same words might come out in some places when you don't want them to when your kids are around and that's mm -hmm. still your child's mother or your child's father and um and plus that reflects negatively on you if you say something negative to them so it, taking care of the kids is taking care of them mentally and emotionally and uh, and I know there are a lot of complicated situations in the single parenting space and the separation space, um, but you can always control what you think and what you do and and how you feel. It's how you feel is harder to control, but we can. And uh, just don't give up. Don't see yourself as a failure. Separate your emotional state from that physical, you know, physical 
failure, that physical loss, because the whole thing is, you know, something every day I count my wins, you know, what's a win that I had today. That's another habit that I have with my kids every night that they're here before bed. What's a win that you had today? And uh, things about wins, you know, tracking your wins and losses in the day, you know, that was a bad decision. That was a loss. I didn't have to handle that that way. But the thing about losses is they can always be turned into wins. And that's mm-hmm. something I teach my kids too. And uh, even if your marriage was a loss, you know, maybe they cheated or you cheated or you were fighting or finances or whatever, losses can always be turned into wins. You know, every day that you have a breath, it's another chance. And uh, so many people live with the same day for 365 days in a row and they don't live one year, they live one day. And uh, if we just move forward, put that behind it, that was a loss. We can turn it into a win with our next decision. And that reflects back on that principle you stated earlier in the Eagle format, you know, with gratitude, you know, even though it was a loss, there was still some level of gratitude that you can, you know, that you can um, acquire from it, you know, based off of what you learned either what to do or not to do or that experience, you know, and how to not put yourself in that position again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I left, you know, when I, we separated and I left, like I was essentially homeless for like a month and a half. Um, mm. Talk about something like that you found gratitude in, you know, in a dire situation. If I, you know, I might come back and we can talk about that in a future episode if you want. But, um, but there, you can find gratitude, you can find gratitude, mm-hmm. find something to become grateful for, you know. Yeah, uh, you've you've said it uh, infinitely better than I could. But I think that to kind of dumb down um, your very um, uh, well thought out message. Uh, if you learn from it, it's not a loss. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a failure if you, if you've grown, if you've evolved and, you know, it might've been, like you said, you know, you might've cheated, you might've, you might've been abusive, you, you know, it might've been uh, quote unquote, entirely your fault that the relationship ended. But if you are now a better man from that, then it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a failure. You have yeah. you know, taken something from it. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, one more thing to double down, just because this is a personal experience of mine, you, you really talked about not, uh, not speaking ill of the, of the mother or the father to your children. And I just want to, me and Dan spoke about this before in a previous episode. I want to double down on that. You know, listeners, uh, definitely do not speak, uh, negatively of the, of the mother or, or, you know, if you're, if, if it's a father or whatever, don't speak badly of the other parent, because all that's going to do is drive the children to them and make them think less of you. Uh, because good people don't talk badly about other people, uh, certainly not behind their backs. So uh, that's that's one thing that uh, really, that's one of the first signs I had that my mother was not a good person and because she would incessantly talk about my father and, and just, and at the time, uh, you know, make up just slan- slanderous lies that, you know, from, from nothing. And it really did create a, a barrier between us that only grew and, and was insurmountable. Um, so, uh, you know, I, if I give you nothing else in this episode, I do want to give you, uh, you know, my personal experience with that. So definitely do not speak ill. And like, uh, like Jesse said, don't even do it with, when they're not around because you make, uh, you make it a habit when you do those things and it's inevitable that it's going to sneak out, you know, that F and B or, you know, whatever the case may be in front of your kids and words are hard to come back from. They say sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, that's horseshit. Uh, words hurt bad, and words can hurt forever. Words can destroy relationships. So be careful with what you say. 
Um, so, you know, with that kind of preaching uh, out of the way, uh, I just wanted to give you these last couple minutes to talk about anything else that we might have uh, missed or that you had to, uh, you know, that you wanted to get out there. Um, I know that you had mentioned coming back again, and that was like music to my ears because when a guest has, you know, good enough time to want to come back, that is a total win for me. Um, but, you know, with that being said, just in these last few minutes, did you have anything else that you wanted to get out there to the dads or, or share in some way? No, just um, thank you for, thank you guys for your time here. It was a great conversation. Thank you for that. Thank you again for doing this. And and to the listeners, thank you, especially the ones that are sticking around till now. Um, like, uh, thank you for taking the time and investing in yourself with wanting to be better, right? Uh, with confessing, let's say, let's face it, what you guys are doing here and talking to dads, it's not an easy thing because men, we have this pride, like, I don't need help, like, I ain't afraid, things like that. <clears throat> and to quote you, that's horseshit. <laughs> like, we have, we are afraid. And guess what? It's the strong thing to admit when you're afraid. It's a strong thing to admit when you need help. It's a strong thing mm. to listen to something like this to get some tips. If you can get one tip from what was said, if you can uh, like learn one thing, be that one little half a percent better, like you're taking the steps and you're taking like this action to consume this content, to be here, to even if you're doing it while you're working on a car or doing the dishes or whatever, or driving or commuting, you're taking the step to become better. So I want to applaud the listeners for taking the step to tuning in here. And um, and thank you. This is going to be a great thing. Yeah, we appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, certainly when I, when the episode drops, which varies uh it could come sooner it could come later uh as i said i edited them all so it depends on my laziness but uh, it will drop on a wednesday without a doubt whenever that does happen and i will certainly let you know ahead of time with that being said thank you so much for for joining us and we appreciate everything you said and with that um i'm going to kick it to dan like i always do without fail without ever forgetting dan tell us a wonderful bit of humor to end the show all right why did the lobster blush one Why? day I'm going to know the answer. Why did <laughs> this is good? No, I, I don't know. The lobster blushed because it saw the ocean's bottom. Oh. <laughs> oh. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. that's that's one of those that uh, the kids are going to hate. You know, <laughs> the dads might laugh. That just laugh. makes it, just makes it a good dad joke, though. Yeah. I even the ones that that really like make me just a percentage dumber. They make me smile. <laughs> so you know their wins. Uh, I it, guess I learned from it. <laughs> you know, I got an email the other day with uh, with maps spelled backwards. Yeah, it was spam. <laughs> oh, I can only I can only thank you for that. Nice. I appreciate mm -hmm. that coming back coming uh, coming one for one. We um we're gonna turn into a dad joke show at, at some point. Or <laughs> we're gonna have some like we'll we'll hire another co-host that is it's just his job to like every time there's space he's gonna be like da 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 and then he like we'll all laugh and then he'll go quiet again until we like all come to the next like break and and that's when we're gonna kick off that's when we're gonna get famous they're gonna be like oh all that advice man I don't care about the advice I'm a good enough dad all I want to do is laugh. 
There's a popular TikTok channel with like those dad jokes. There's I've heard a, about it, and I keep saying I'm going to check it out. Um, maybe this will be the impetus I needed. <laughs> That's um, where I stole mine from, by the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I know the caliber that they're bringing. And uh, <laughs> oh man, I when I heard that one, I don't know if it's going to be on air. Probably not. But like when I heard that one, I mean, I I was just sitting here, and you know, you you see funny things like. <laughs> and then and but it's genuinely funny but you're not gonna laugh out loud man i was cracking up for like five minutes just laughing at that the layers of that thing. i hope somebody got the, the same enjoyment out of it now with that for the first time not redo redone i'm gonna go ahead and throw it to my co-host and uh let them you know say their goodbyes before i kick us out of here well, Jesse, I appreciate you making the time for us and uh, lots of great, great info, man. Uh, I'm going to definitely try to incorporate some of it into my journey and try to become a better person. So I appreciate you coming on and appreciate you sharing all your, your wonderful wisdom with us. Thank you. Uh, like the guys said, thank you for showing up and uh, we appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to, to talk with us. And um, yeah, I'm going to send you some friend requests. We can stay in touch and, uh, uh, hopefully we can get some good networking going on and uh, keep reaching out to new and uh, other prospective dads. Totally. Totally. Let's do it. And uh, I'm just going to say, uh, check you later, Jesse. <laughs> Have a good rest of your weekend. Check you All later. Right, thank you. You too. Thanks guys. I want you to know it's over. Smell that, Bill? Smells like someone died. And that's been your two dads. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>